This is FBG Jen. And FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margot, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Gym bag and workout clothes smelling not so uh, fresh? Well, hey, that's okay because we've all been there. And we have a great natural solution for you. Inspire Bath's new gym bag spray with natural odor control in a one-ounce travel size that you can just throw in your bag to freshen up your clothes, your sports equipment, or anything else that just gets a little bit funky post-workout. Get yours now at inspirebath.com. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today, we have FBG Jen. Hey. And we have FBG Kristen. Hey. And gals, let's talk hormone talk. We have Candace Birch from yourhormonebalance.com. She is our guest today. And Jen, you and I were on the line with her very recently. And can you talk to the audience a little bit about the show, why we wanted to talk to her, the kind of questions we get from our fans, that kind of thing? Yeah. So I feel like from, you know, both our listeners and readers of FBG and just kind of some of the conversations I have with my, um, you know, girlfriends and just women I talk to, like hormones are a big deal. And I don't think that maybe when we're younger, we pay as much attention to them, or maybe there's not as much education about them. But like now that getting older and some of my friends are getting older, it seems like it's more of a topic of conversation. And so it's something that we just kind of wanted to dive into. And we really cover a whole lot of variety of topics from like workouts to uh, weight gain and weight loss and just energy and mood and periods and cramps and all kinds of stuff. And it's so funny, um, Margot, after I had this conversation, we had this conversation with her. I was kind of thinking back to some of my early memories of, um, of menstruation. Yay. Um, <laughs> and I, I think I was only like seven or eight, but I remember being at this family function with family that I wasn't normally around very often. And there was, um, I had like a, you know, third cousin or something who was at the time, I don't know, maybe 14 or 15. And she was just having excruciating cramps from her period. And I didn't really like fully understand what was happening, but she was like, I mean, on the couch, kind of like writhing around in pain. Like it's very memorable. And that's one of my earliest memories, kind of like talking to my mom about a period. And is that what happens all of the time? You know? And she's like, well, for some women. Um, and I thought Candace really kind of shares a, a, a unique perspective and kind of sheds some light on how, you know, that, 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 that actually isn't like super, it's super common, but that's actually not super um, normal or a great sign that your hormones are doing what they should be. Oh, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, talk about how I'm, it was period that after that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like excited slash scared to listen to this now because I was like, I was that, that young woman who, you know, like it rent, like every 
you know, what, between three and eight weeks whenever it decided to show up, because of course it was never regular and then would last for however long it decided to, I was like incapacitated, you know, like that was, that was my teenage life. So yeah, that'll be an interesting one to, to listen to. But when we could go back in time, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, thank you. Well, we were also sold like you know, on, on this idea of like women are supposed to suffer in some way. Like that's just how we're built. So that, you know, you're for some women, you're supposed to get hard periods and, and crampy, real hard cramps and crampy periods and crampy moods and your moods are going to be all over the place. That's just part of being female. And she's saying today, Candace is saying, no, that's about hormones and you can get them checked out and you can do so, by the way, also through food, you can heal yourself through exercise, you can heal yourself. But I just found it fascinating. Like it, it was normalized so much for, for, for periods to be awful right and, yeah, yeah. and and it doesn't have to be and that's like the really nice thing about it and don't talk about it don't really complain about it don't right. let it stop you pretend you're not having it at all <laughs> yeah like the girls in the commercials with the white pants just like running and carefree like, no you know yeah. <laughs> that whole thing I know I, I would I was like that's not me at all when I get my period why is she in such a great mood I, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so true. So yeah. it's a really good episode and we get into that and we get into a whole lot of other stuff. Um, and, you know, Candace knows her, she knows her stuff. She goes into science. I feel like there's some, some science geeking out, which I'm prone to do. And please take, uh, take attention to the, pay attention, excuse me, to the notes of the episode because she gives a special discount for FBG listeners. I believe it's a hundred dollars off for testing if you're interested. So please listen to the episode and check out the show notes that will be there. And guys, uh, I want to tell you about something. We were asking for some more five-star reviews and we got them. Woo! Yay! <laughs> so this is, comes from GoPack1977. She says, I absolutely love the FBGs. They have a great approach to health and wellness, and I've enjoyed the variety of guests they've had on throughout their 100 episodes. I look forward to their episodes when released and love their website as well. So thank you so much, GoPack1977. And you guys were, isn't that great? It yeah. is. We love her too. We love yeah. you back. Thank you. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you happen to get your podcast. But if it is an Apple, if you can leave a review for us, especially a five-star one, we'll be read it on the air. And you can find us on social media at Fit Bottom Girls. And I say, let's just go right into this episode with Candace Birch, Your Hormone Balance. This episode is inspired by Inspire Bath. Remember to keep your workout fresh and smelling great with Inspire Bath's new gym spray with natural odor control in a one-ounce travel size that easily goes anywhere. You can even buy a larger refill bottle for less waste. Just get yours now at InspireBath.com. Candace Birch is a hormone health educator and founder of Your Hormone Balance, a home testing and consulting practice that helps people of all ages detect and correct hormone imbalances that negatively impact health and longevity. She received her master's in health education in 1979 and subsequently worked in medical publishing in the UK and as director of education for ZRT Hormone Testing Labs for over a decade. Candace is the co-founder of Women in Balance, an educational nonprofit. Her mission as a wellness advocate is to educate, inspire, and guide women towards safe 
natural approaches to hormone balance, and breast cancer prevention. Welcome to the show, Candace. Thanks for having me, Margo. Well, and Jen. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Yes, today it is FBG Margo, and I am with my friend FBG Jen. And I'm going to ask you the first question. Let's talk hormone talk. It's a hot topic these days in the health and wellness world. So can you give our audience the reasons why they should pay better attention to their hormones and how that can affect their health and well-being? Yes. Okay. That's a, that's a good and big question. Um, I think the answer is just that a lot of people don't realize that many of the symptoms they've been dealing with forever or maybe I should say so many people become habituated to symptoms that they don't even realize they're symptoms of an imbalance. They're walking around with a hidden hormonal imbalance, you know, compromising their health and their energy and their libido. And maybe they're having horrible periods. And that's just the way it's always been. You know, as I said, we used to have, I remember when I was in college and there were so many gals in the dorms that would be incapacitated during their period, wrapped up in a fetal ball on their bed in such pain. And it was sort of like, oh, you know, poor Nancy, she's got such terrible periods. And we just all went daily off to the fraternity parties and didn't think about the fact that it's not normal to be feeling that way. So I think the, the answer is that there are many symptoms of hormonal imbalance that women need to be aware of to be, you know, to realize this, this is a symptom of an imbalance. It's compromising my health and well-being and long-term can actually cause, you know, disorders and illnesses and disease down the road. So it's pretty important. Fundamental, uh, fundamentally hormones rule, as I say, they, they run the show. They, they rule our physical, emotional, and mental health. So getting on board with knowing a little bit more about them, knowing the symptoms of hormone imbalance and what you can do to, to rebalance naturally, apart from just going on birth control pills, um, is pretty important to our, you know, our overall sense of who we are and how we feel and how we look and all of that. So just so we all have a really good understanding, I think a lot of us, you know, talk about hormones and it's like, oh, my hormones are out of whack or I'm feeling really hormonal. Can you break down at a really just kind of basic level what hormones are and why their balance is just so darn important. Okay, sure. So hormones are actually the word hormone in Greek means to, to um, propel or to put a force in motion. And hormones are indeed messengers. So they are chemical messengers that actually send signals from the brain to all the organs and glands of the body to perform certain functions. And the hormones that are signaled by the pituitary gland of the brain are controlling, you know, our sleep, our moods, our memory, our sex drive, our fertility, our cycles, uh, everything, uh, you know, about us, really. The hormones have uh, the responsibility of regulating all kinds of different processes in the body, they protect, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I don't, you know, if people don't have symptoms of hormone imbalance, they think there's nothing, I don't need to do anything, but, but, but hormones are protective. For instance, there are more testosterone receptors in the heart muscle than in any other muscle in the body. Testosterone increases strength and stamina. Those receptors in that heart muscle are actually receiving 
sending signals to the brain saying we need more testosterone to strengthen the heart. If you're working out, you need more DHEA and testosterone. If you want to have a normal cycle, the brain is signaling the production of ovarian hormones like estrogen and progesterone, the master female hormones, to regulate your cycle, to grow that egg in the ovary, to thicken that lining of the endometrium that we shed as a period if there is no fertilized egg. So cortisol, adrenal hormones produce, uh, the adrenals that produce cortisol regulate our sleep-wake cycle, our immunities against disease, and the blood sugar-insulin relationship that determines how well we burn calories and how efficiently we, we, we metabolize the foods we eat and or how efficiently we store them as fat in all the wrong places. So all of these hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, and the adrenal hormones, cortisol, are absolutely fundamental to every system in the body and, um, you know, become depleted over time. Of course, women in menopause stop ovulating, so they don't have the right component of hormones. And younger women also have ovulation problems. Women who've been on birth control for many years, women who are under prolonged stress, so younger women and older women can share the same sorts of hormonal imbalances and the same sorts of symptoms. It's not just a menopause issue. Hormones are often linked to, oh, I'm not old enough to have, you know, worry about my hormones. Well, if you're old enough to have terrible periods and horrible PMS and, you know, the kind where, as I often say, pass me the shotgun, I'm about to kill my boyfriend sort of PMS or bloating, weight gain, you know, sleep issues mood swings, all those sorts of things, then look to, you know, your hormones. Think about, do I possibly have a hormonal imbalance? Is that what's going on with me? I talked to so many women that have had chronic issues forever, and the, the solution is always or often, let's just put you on the birth control for your irregular periods or for your heavy periods or for your endometriosis or whatever it may be. And that is not the best solution. Not according to those of us who work in the field of functional medicine and are looking for the cause of, of these things. So um, hopefully I answered that question as you were, that gave you a good answer. But there's, there's so much to say about the hormone issue. So keep asking. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> no, that works. Yeah, that totally works. So let's go back to you. You mentioned this just a, a minute ago, but can, is there a correlation between hormone levels and your mood? And can you improve your mood managing your hormone levels? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, if you think about, let's just take PMS, premenstrual syndrome, that certainly is, you know, the bad, bad mood epidemic that so many gals suffer around their cycles. And, and often, not just around their cycles, but pretty much throughout the month, if they have an imbalance of low progesterone and um, high estrogen, or what we call estrogen dominance, where you can have estrogen that's within range, but it is in excess relative to progesterone. So just to take that, that example, estrogen is the hormone that we make in the first part of our cycle, the follicular stage. It is a growth hormone. It grew our, it made us female. It grew our reproductive organs, our, our uterus, our ovaries, our breasts, it's the curves, all those, that nice curvy body that women have, it's all estrogen. Estrogen grows the egg and the ovary every cycle, and it's thickening that blood-rich lining that we shed as a period. If, if, but it's a growth hormone. So 
drives, you know, if it's not balanced by its balancing partner, progesterone, it drives all kinds of um, growth that we don't want. It drives fibroids or cysts or endometriosis. It also has a lot to do with our moods. We become very, you know, we can have terrible mood swings and terrible PMS because there isn't enough progesterone around to balance estrogen. And estrogen is excitatory. Progesterone is calming. So without enough progesterone on board, we can feel very agitated and and moody and just, you know, sort of up and down roller coaster kinds of moods that we can't really control. So that's one good example when estrogen is, is out of whack and progesterone is low. And there's a lot of reasons why progesterone can be low. Basically, progesterone is made upon ovulation. So if women are not ovulating for a variety of reasons, then progesterone can be low. And the knock-on effect of that is that the adrenal glands that regulate our blood sugar levels need progesterone to make cortisol, the hormone that does regulate our blood sugar insulin levels. So if there isn't enough progesterone on board, then the adrenals go wanting and blood sugar can become erratic. If blood sugar levels are erratic and let's say drop and you know spike and drop and go through all kinds of ups and downs, we can see that in a test result, by the way. We can see what those levels look like. Our moods go right along with those ups and downs of, of cortisol levels and, and um, you know blood sugar drops. So if we can improve our mood by balancing our hormones not only by becoming aware of what are the things that disrupt ovulation so that we can take action to, to stop that disruption and also by, you know, just um, following certain fundamental rules about what is good stress management, what is, you know, how do I keep my blood sugar stable through diet, what are the different herbs and, and supplements that I can use. There are, there are many ways to go. So we always say that fit bottoms come in all shapes and sizes, and I think that's true. But can you talk a little bit about how hormones then might affect, you know, body composition, um, muscle development, fat storage, and weight loss? When we're, you know, I have a, I actually have a package called the Weight Balance Package that we test all the hormones that I mentioned before, the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, and the cortisol. So if and vitamin D as well, because vitamin D is actually a hormone that is made by the action of sun upon the skin. And we kind of need to be out there in sunshine 20 minutes a day, stripped down, no sunscreen, et cetera, to get enough vitamin D. That's pretty hard for most people since we work indoors and we work out indoors. And I'm going on about this because vitamin D deficiency has been shown to be um, especially prevalent in people who have um, central obesity in particular, people who, are, who have high body fat levels, particularly around the, the waist and stomach area. And this can get into visceral fat, deeper fat that surrounds the vital organs, which is really hazardous to our health. So just vitamin D deficiency can affect weight. Cortisol levels, if they're high because we're under a, a period of prolonged or heightened stress because we don't know how to turn off or slow down or because we're drinking coffee all day or because we're, our adrenals are shot from too much high-intensity exercise or yo-yo dieting, etc. If cortisol is high, we start to pack on fat in the belly. That is a stress response. The body in its wisdom takes, senses stressors, which can be anything from 
you know, uh, extreme workouts, calorie deprivation, emotional distress, all kinds of things uh, can compromise that process. And, and that, that right there can, can lead to the body storing fat in the belly as a hedge against, you know, stress, you know, the, the, the body, I often say adrenals don't know between divorce or donuts. Too much sugar is inflammatory. That's a stress reaction. Divorce or death or any long-term stressors, like even a yeast infection or any, any chronic or thing can really deplete the adrenals that watch over, as I mentioned, our blood sugar insulin connection, and that can lead to fat storage. And then again, estrogen dominance has a fat pattern of weight distribution that will start to, to settle in the thighs, the bottom, and the hips. Um, so if you have that kind of, if you tend to be putting on weight in that area, you probably have excess estrogen. And that is a real saboteur of one's ability to lose weight. I hear so many people saying, oh, I'm doing everything right. I'm working out. I'm eating right. I'm eating clean. I'm trying so hard to cut out sugar from my diet, and I keep, I keep gaining weight in my hips and my bottom and I can't do anything about it. And often that's because there's a hidden estrogen progesterone imbalance. So, yeah. And then last but not least, testosterone and DHEA are called anabolic hormones. They're also in women made by, mostly made by the ovaries and the adrenals. Um, Men have much more testosterone than we do, but men and women share all the same hormones. And we know with testosterone, in particular, you think of sex drive, but you also have to think of a structure, your, your physical structure. How strong are your bones? How strong are you, How much lean muscle do you have? Um, that's all down to testosterone and DHEA, which build and maintain bone density. They build and maintain lean muscle. And connection there with weight gain is that if we don't have a good amount of lean muscle, then we're not burning calories efficiently. And we're, if we're losing lean muscle, then we're putting on body fat. Fat loves to replace a lack of lean muscle. So there's a connection, actually, between all the hormones that I test in, um, in the weight balance package. And what we try to do, my daughter and I, Jess Sukan, she's got Body Bliss by Jess online. She and I consult with anybody that uh, tests with me for the weight balance package. We test all those hormones I've mentioned, and then I talk to people for a good 50 minutes, review the results, and, and then Jess talks to them for a good 50 minutes. She's a nutritional health coach, and so she helps people eat for balance. She doesn't like to use the word diet, but we talk about the food that um, help us rebalance and, and get out of that vicious cycle. We don't like to talk about diets either, So, that I, but I, I really am interested in food and nutrition. And ha, is it possible to manage your hormones with what you eat? Can you talk a little bit about that? I know that's your daughter's thing, but could you talk about it a bit, please? If you have a real, you know, I think if you have a really serious imbalance, if your levels are way low and, you know, you've got sort of high levels of some hormones and very low levels of other hormones, it can take some herbs and supplements to get back on track also. For instance, like I said, D deficiency has been linked to a triple-fold increase in um, body fat, increased body fat and central abdominal obesity. So 
using D3, D3 supplementation, two to 5,000 IUs a day is important, as is getting vitamin D from the foods you eat, things like fatty fish and milk products or those not unmelt products if you're not drinking milk that have D fortification or mushrooms are really high in D. And I have a whole section on what are the foods you can eat that will provide vitamin D. But if you're really low in vitamin D, like below 30 nanograms per milliliter, which I often see on test results and the optimal range is 50 to 80, and I'm seeing people down at four or 17, really low, then food alone isn't going to do it. You know, but it's certainly wise to include fatty fish and omega-3s and all of those things that can, that can up the D levels. But one might need to, you know, supplement and replenish with a supplement. Um, likewise with, uh, let's say you have estrogen problems, estrogen imbalances, often um, foods like soybeans, you know, edamame, flaxseed, seeds and nuts in general, contain plant estrogens that are that can be very helpful in replacing or actually blocking more powerful estrogens from getting into the cells of the body. And when I say that, um, I'm talking about xenoestrogens, xeno meaning foreign or man-made. We get a lot of estrogens from the environment. So when we talk about food and trying to rebalance estrogen and progesterone levels, let's say, it becomes really important to make sure that all protein sources are, if possible, organic. And the key word there is going to be hormone-free, hormone-free and antibiotic-free. So a lot of people know about this and they're onto this, but a lot of people don't know about xenos and, or as they're often called, endocrine disruptors. These are the chemicals in, in foods, in plastics, in all kinds of fabrics, you know, the fire protectants, flame retardants in, in our furniture, the phthalates, plastic softeners in our shower curtains, drinking water out of plastic water bottles, and eating foods that have been shot up with synthetic hormones. And we know that happens all the time, every single day in the mass uh, food, uh, what do I mean to say, cattle and dairy industry. Uh, that industry is shooting up their cattle with hormones all day long to make them grow fat faster. And who does that make grow fat faster but us when we eat those foods? So when you talk about good nutrition, when people say, oh, I eat clean, it better be clean in terms of we have no, we have no hormones in, the, in this milk or this yogurt or this cheese or this meat, pork, or chicken. And that means you've got to look for a label that says, these animals were raised without hormones. It's not good enough if the label says no added hormones because that could mean they weren't shot up with hormones but still in their feed or, we, you know, we can't be sure. So it's just safer to go with those labels that say uh, this, these animals were raised without. And so look for that label on your pork or chicken or look open the egg carton when you buy eggs. I was just at the store the other day, actually, and I, I was saying to my husband, look at this. There are like 10 different egg cartons here, and only two of them clearly stated these hens, you know, they all say they're free range, but they don't say they're hormone free or that they haven't been injected with hormones or that their feed doesn't have hormones in it. There were only two 
types of eggs that I found that were actually hormone and antibiotic-free, and they stated that. On the milk, it should say, our cows are happy cows. They don't get RDSP. That's the big, bad synthetic hormone that is often put into, into dairy products. So that's, you know, if there's anything that people can do, any one thing, it would be to avoid the hormones in our food, to be sure to buy, especially when you're buying those fruits and vegetables that are so important for hormone balancing, the dark green leafy vegetables, the berries that are full of antioxidants and plant hormones, they need to be organic because when they're thin-skinned, when they have you know beautiful leafy greens, you don't want them infected or absorbed. You, know, they, you don't want them full of pesticides and herbicides. So they've got to be organic. Otherwise, you're taking all of that into your system. And what that does is those xenoestrogens act like estrogens in our body. The receptor sites that, that accept a, a hormone at the cellular level are duped into thinking this is a, a real estrogen and that estrogen is accepted. Maybe not nicely like hormones should work, like a key in a lock where they nicely open the door to a cell, a xenoestrogen kind of kicks the door in and takes over, becomes very, it inhibits all the naturally occurring estrogens and then just kind of runs the cell machinery and creates all kinds of extra estrogens that make us fat and moody and give us heavy, heavy periods. So I'd say, you know, in a nutshell, watching those additives in our food, the hormones, the antibiotics, and, and last but not least, being sure to, to keep blood sugar stable. When blood sugar is unstable because we skip meals or we, we restrict certain foods um, to a point where we're not getting enough protein, as in vegan diets, if you have to be really conscious of getting uh, complete proteins. Because proteins are what hormones are made of, good fats or what hormones are made of. So we can't be deficient in those things if we want to be um, imbalanced and rid of so many of the symptoms we suffer from. So that was a long answer, but all of those things are really key when it comes to good nutrition and food. And and Jess has uh, a million other suggestions about good alternatives um, to the foods we eat now. There are so many out there. That was great. And I'd love for you to also touch upon, I know we kind of, we talked about, you know, dieting restriction and we talked a little bit about exercise, but could you go a little bit in, into, you know, workouts, what workouts can help heal and what workouts may be doing a little bit, possibly more damage to our hormones than we realize? Well, I'm not an exercise specialist, so I'm not, you know, I can't detail a workout or that sort of thing, but I can tell you that it's, you know, we know that um, women athletes who are, let's say, Olympians or people who are training all the time, doing marathons, extreme high-intensity exercise, people who teach spinning classes, and I've talked to so many of these gals, often don't ovulate. It's kind of known that, you know, as I was saying, Olympian athletes anyway, often have an, what we call anovulatory cycles, where you have a period which you can do, you can have a period without ovulating. And that gets into, um, again, a lack of progesterone. And that gets into, um, you know, all kinds of issues, like I mentioned, with estrogen dominance and weight gain. Um, And 
And the problem is um, that the, la- the high-intensity exercise actually disrupts ovulation. So that anovulatory cycle can be a direct result of extreme exercise because extreme exercise is a stressor. So the, the proviso needs to be, if you love to do high-intensity, and a lot of people do, they feel great. Other people feel terrible after high-intensity exercise. That's your first clue. If your muscles are sore and you feel exhausted rather than rejuvenated, that's a clue that your adrenals are taking a big hit and are not keeping up with this extreme exercise. Um, I've talked to lots of gals that are fitness, you know, that are trainers, and they, they do five or six exercise classes a day, and their adrenal curve, their pattern is just flattened. That pattern should be highest in the morning because the adrenal glands are producing cortisol, you know, that whole blood sugar insulin regulation is about energy. So they're producing cortisol to get you up in the morning and to get you going. It's your get up and go hormone. I see really, it should be highest in the morning. I see really, really low levels in the morning where people are dragging themselves out of bed and pushing through all day long with these low cortisol levels. So they're running on empty. And sometimes it has to do with an extreme exercise program. So the cure is if you love the high intensity, do the high intensity. Although when I see flattened levels, I tell people to dial back for a while, you know, go gentle and don't do any high intensity more than 15 or 20 minutes a day and only maybe twice a week. High intensity is great, you know, when it's strength training and that sort of thing for raising testosterone levels and, and boosting lean muscle mass. But again, if, if, it's, if it's the only exercise you do, then it's going to take a toll on adrenal function. So a couple days of high intensity, um, and if you test low in cortisol, then it needs to be not more than 20 minutes and then you know alternating with days of the kind of exercise that releases tension held in the muscles so that would be yoga swimming pilates stretching brisk walking biking you know those sorts of exercises intermittent with the high intensity because we want to release tension held in the muscles because when we hold tension then our cortisol demand goes up and that's a further exhaustion upon the adrenal glands. And again, back to the, you know, the whole picture of this, when the adrenal glands are taxed, we start to become taxed. We start to feel fatigued and burned out. We may get sick more often and not bounce back. We may feel tired all the time or tired and wired like, you're tired in the morning and then you're wired at night and you can't go to sleep. Um, there's so many symptoms of adrenal, what we call adrenal fatigue, where the adrenals are just not keeping up. Um, one of them I mentioned is, is the belly fat because the body's perceiving stress. It wants to hang on to fat. And, you know, it's kind of trying to fuel you or store fat for the, whatever the stressor down the road, for the tsunami coming down the road. The adrenals don't know the difference, but in the meantime, you're, packing on fat in your middle, and yet you're working out like a crazy person. So, um, you know, and it's things, it's also things like, you know, having a day where you don't exercise at all, where maybe you just, you know, have a day on a Sunday where you, you read and you, uh, or you, you do whatever those things are that you love to do in life that are relaxing and enjoying. My husband and I just took a 
a drive-in wine country yesterday, and we had a nice little walk. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a strenuous walk, but we had a lovely walk through the vineyards and and watched the sunset and had a glass of wine, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, the, the, to boil down the answer to your question, we're talking about exercise is good, but we don't want it to be extreme. We don't want it to be constant. It can't be the only thing people are trying to do to lose weight because often it's, you know, it actually causes the body to hang on to that very fat that you're trying to get rid of. Amen. <laughs> Thank you so much for that answer. I really appreciate it because, it, yeah, it's also what you eat and, and the kind of foods that you eat. I mean, that's actually most of it. So, thank you for that. Can you talk a little bit? Yeah. So, according to it your is. your according to your bio, so your hormone journey actually began with a skiing injury. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I uh, I went to college in Colorado, Boulder, and I we used to go skiing a lot. But my first time skiing, I ruined my knees because we all drove up to Aspen, and I had a friend, one of the gang was a gal who grew up in Mammoth, California, and she was like a super skier. And so we were all trying to follow her down the big, the big run, Spar Gulch, which back in the 70s was very narrow and very treacherous. And I didn't even know how to turn. So it was pretty pathetic. I fell down that mountain. And about 10 different times, my skis came off and I wrenched my knees. And, and here I was in my early 20s. So I got into this terrible, vicious cycle of having um, my, my knees started swelling up all the time. And I would go to the doctor and he would put cortisone in my knees, the synthetic form of cortisol to stop inflammation and then take the inflammatory liquid out and put me on anti-inflammatory meds, which gave me asthma and created all kinds of different problems. So I started realizing I can't keep doing this forever. And I went on a 17-day juice fast, started talking to some naturopaths and different holistic-minded people living up in Aspen and started doing cleansings and fastings and found that my knees didn't swell up as much. You know, it was basically uh, an early pre-anti-inflammatory uh, diet, the kind of diets that are now touted so as the Mediterranean diet or Dr. Wild's diet, you know, eating mostly plants and uh, plant-based eating with good clean proteins, no sugars, no inflammatory grains. Um, it was pretty much gluten-free, which no one was talking about back then. But so I started doing that and noticing my knees were so much better. They didn't get inflamed and I wasn't in pain and I could still ski. I mean, they weren't perfect because I had injured my, my meniscus, but I was able to manage and I actually ended up teaching skiing and skiing for seven years straight almost every day. But in that interim, I got really interested in, in holistic health, natural health, and decided to leave my, my fun, um, o overly fun, exuberant life in Aspen and go get a, a master's degree in health education. I just really wanted to study, you know, I first thought about being a practitioner, but then thought, no, I think I just want to learn myself and help other people learn how to stay healthy. What are the foods we should be eating? What, you know, what are the exercises we should be doing? How do we handle stress? How do we de-stress naturally? So that served me well 
over the years, I became a health educator. I lived in England for a long time, was an author and a publisher, I mean, a, a journalist um, with Witch Magazine in London, which is a lot like Consumers Association, looking at, you know, being a watchdog. What are the things that are healthy and what are the things that are touted as healthy and aren't really? And then when I got into my menopause years, it served me well because I knew I wasn't going to do synthetic hormones, which um, have been shown in the Women's Health Initiative to be so dangerous to women's health, so so linked to breast cancers and heart heart attacks and strokes and blood clots in women. The synthetic uh, Prempro and Premarin that women have been put on for 40, 50 years since going into menopause. So that all kind of became, you know, my mantra was how, how can we, as we get older, how can we age well? How can we deal with hormonal imbalances? What do we do when we're in menopause? How do we balance our hormones naturally? And as it turns out, like you just said uh, a minute ago, it's food, it's, you know, it's nutrition, it's stress management, it's exercise, and it's in it often supplements like B vitamins that support the adrenals big time like um, some of the adaptogenic herbs uh, that, that also nourish and strengthen our, our glands and organs. Sometimes it's using a little progesterone cream in menopause. Women need that because we're not ovulating anymore. So that was my journey. I just became, you know, from a young gal in her 20s to now a woman of a certain age, you know, and I, I feel like I have I've, I've practiced hormonal balance with natural hormones, supplements, and the kind of eating and activity that we're, that we're talking about here. And I had kids late in life. I had Jess when I was 37, and I had my younger daughter, Ryan, when I was 41. And, you know, we've just cruised. I've cruised into menopause, and, and being an older mom wasn't, wasn't a problem. And I think that's significant for a lot of women because so many women delay childbirth till mm-hmm. their late 30s. So how do you do that there you do that by practicing balance and this becomes especially significant with so many gals that i talked to that have been on birth control since they were 15 and now they're 33 34 and they're trying to get pregnant and and it's a real problem so that's you know that's another clue that hormones are out of balance and have been for years um so i'm you know my journey is carries on there are there's so much information to impart to girls, women, young and old. It, it applies to all of us. So what about hormone testing? Can you talk about what that price process is like? Yeah, that was part of my journey too. I realized when I went into, well, <laughs> I wrote a funny blog about it because uh, when I went into perimenopause, which is when your hormones really start doing the roller coaster thing because your ovaries are are kind of packing up, um, you know, for a good eight to 10 years, your hormone levels are erratic because your ovaries are becoming erratic and moving towards menopause. And that usually starts mid forties. And that was the age I was, and my kids were little and I was just, do you swear on this program? A bee on wheels where I was scaring (laughs) my children. And because I had such horrible mood swings and a hot flash every 20 minutes. So I, I knew that I had to do something and it was going to be natural. It wasn't going to be synthetic. And I read the first book I read was what your doctor may not tell you about menopause by Dr. John Lee. And of course started crying because he was speaking to me, but 
he's, he was the real guru putting the word, you know, putting saliva testing on the map and bioidentical hormones on the map. And I found out there was a test you could do. And as it turns out, um, this was, you know, 15 years ago, but, or more, but that test, which is now done by so many, so many fun, uh, functional medicine doctors is salivary testing where you spit into a tube, four tubes actually, because you want to measure adrenal function, morning, noon, evening, bedtime, and you want to capture all your female hormones, estrogen, progesterone, and the testosterone, DHEA, and when they're surging, you can do all of that in saliva by collecting morning, noon, evening, and bedtime and into a tube non-invasively so that you're not pricking yourself with measles. And um, that's the testing that I recommend and so many, and that I do, and that so many functional medicine doctors do because of its nature being non-invasive, stress-free, no needles, and also the fact that saliva is the gold standard for measuring adrenal levels, and it is the, the way to measure hormones that have left the bloodstream and are moving into the tissues, that collection of cells in the body where hormones do their work, the target tissues of the body. When you measure hormones in blood, you're measuring hormones that are bound to their their red blood cell. Hormones are carried in the bloodstream by a protein carrier. They're bound. They're inactive. But there's always a 2 to 4% fraction of that inactive hormone that is signaled by the pituitary, as we were talking earlier, to go to various cells that, you know, to keep because the hormone is in demand. She's working out. She's lifting weights. She needs a little testosterone over there to help strengthen her. Let's send some testosterone. So it's, it's kind of, that's the simplified version. But testosterone hormone becomes unbound, free from its protein carrier, moves into the tissues of the body, and can be captured in salivary gland as a, as a test. We can measure that active level of hormone. So a lot of uh, the new age practitioners, integrative medicine doctors, naturopaths, nurse practitioners, functional medicine docs, prefer saliva testing over blood because of its ability to measure active hormone levels. And that's the test that I do through IUmetrics Lab, um, which is uh, run by the former uh, lab director of ZRT Lab, where I was the director of education for 15 years. So it's very high-level testing. I send a kit in the mail to people who want to test their levels. It's a home test kit because it needs to be because you have to collect your first sample within a half hour of waking uh, and then at noon, evening, and at bedtime. You need a last sample at bedtime. So it has to be a home collection, which is really convenient, allows you to collect at the optimal times, is stress-free, and then you collect those saliva. It's saliva in the tubes. It's just like halfway a half tube is great, minus bubbles. And then you put the tubes back in the little kit that it comes in, and there's a mailer. Mail it into the lab, and within about seven days, I get the results and let you know that your results are in. And then we have a 50-minute consult to go over the results, review everything that we see, to what extent each and every hormone's out of balance, and how that matches up with the symptoms that are that you reported. There's a whole requisition form that allows people to fill in all of their symptoms and to what extent they're experiencing those symptoms. And then when we review the test results, I match up 
you know, which symptoms you're experiencing go along with this particular imbalance that we've identified in the testing. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And you are going to, we're going to include it in the show notes, but you're going to offer a discount for anybody that listens to the podcast that like to take the test themselves. Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, $50. We'd love to offer $50 off any package that you would find at um, my website, www.yourhormonebalance.com. And if you put in the promo code FBG for Fit Bottomed Girls, does that make sense? Yes. Good, good promo code, FBG, easy to remember. Um, yeah, we'd be happy to offer $50 off that the test, the results. The consult, and you get um, a full-on like ebook action plan of what you know what steps to take based on what the test results showed you. It's from beginning to it's a process, beginning, middle, and end, and we don't leave you hanging with what do I do now. Right. There's a lot of information as to next steps, like what we've been talking about today. Yeah, I have a friend. Um, she's actually she's my neighbor, and I told her I was speaking to you today, and, and she's been having issues with just like extremely heavy periods. She's perimenopausal, and her doctors are just sort of like, yeah, yeah, that's just a part of it. Don't worry about it. And she's getting very frustrated because she's like, this just doesn't feel right. I hear that too often too. So many doctors saying it's just a normal part of things, et cetera. But you know, if we go back to part of what I was going on about before estrogen being a growth hormone. Um, as we get older, we're making more estrogen and less progesterone because we're not ovulating every cycle. And, you know, because the ovaries are becoming inefficient moving towards menopause. You said your friend is in perimenopause. So she's moving towards the inevitable, you know, menopause at 50, around the age of 51, when we've gone like 12 months without a cycle then we know our ovaries are done. And that's often when women need to use a little progesterone because otherwise, and I'm talking bioidentical, like natural plant-based progesterone cream that is used in sync with our cycles. We use it in Goldilocks doses only during the time when our bodies would have been making it. Because what's happening is without progesterone, estrogen just keeps growing the lining of the uterus, the endometrium, and it gets thicker and thicker and thicker. And it just, it, you know, without the balancing effects um, of the progesterone, we get start to have really heavy periods in perimenopause or in premenopause. Women who are in their 20s and 30s who, you know, again, are not ovulating for whatever reason. So, yeah, that thickened lining, if it doesn't get shed, if it doesn't get shed properly or completely, periods just continue to get heavy. And that is not normal. It, is, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that we suffer with that sort of thing. It's absolutely a very clear, actually hallmark sign of a, of a hormone imbalance going on. And it's, you know, it's, I should say, it's more, there's so many other things too. Being overweight, fat cells make estrogen, so that adds to the estrogen burden and all those, the xenoestrogens I was talking about earlier also add to the estrogen burden. So all of those things um, women need to become aware of. How do you avoid xenoestrogens? Uh, you know, how can we lose weight naturally and rebalance our hormones so that we don't become so estrogen dominant that we have horrible heavy periods? There's so many things that can be done, really, to reverse that. So uh, she should be blaming that on her hormones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Taking 
taking steps to turn it around. It doesn't have to be permanent. So if you wanted to leave our listeners with one one last message thing, what would that be? Um, know the symptoms of hormonal imbalance. Know that if you have, as we were just talking, heavy periods, painful periods, if you've got terrible PMS or you want to break up with your boyfriend or divorce your husband or can't bear to be around the people you love most in all the world, if you can't sleep at night and you can't drag yourself out of bed in the morning, if you're irritable all the time, if you're gaining weight in your belly, even though you're eating clean and working out all the time, know, know that these are symptoms of an imbalance, that you're probably walking around with a hidden hormonal imbalance that isn't you. That, that That's not you. That Don't become your symptoms. Learn what the symptoms of hormonal imbalance are and then take action. That's what I would leave people with. There's so many natural alternatives that we have now to birth control. I mean, if you need birth control because you need it, that's one thing, but I really do recommend low hormonal forms of it, the copper paragard, which doesn't mess with hormones, but is very effective. You know, taking steps from, you know, from A to Z to, to deal with the symptoms and get yourself back on track. It's absolutely possible. And I hope to lead people with hope that, you know, this doesn't have to be your lot in life. This is, is something that we can definitely deal with. And there are more and more people out there I'm just one of many people who are learning more about this all the time and, and educating and teaching and treating and, and, you know, doing everything we can to help people, women, women's reproductive health, you know, stop all this misery. So before we let you go, I'd like you, please just tell us where people can find you on the web and on social media first. Yes. So the website has lots of information about the packages that we offer and also about hormones, et cetera, you know, what hormones do and about how I approach this. I'm not, again, I'm not a health coach. I'm an educator. So my, my job is to help women understand um, what hormones do uh, to help them understand hormone test results and how that relates to how they're feeling. And so there's a lot of information on the website, yourhormonebalance.com. We have an Instagram, which is at just the app, sign yourhormonebalance.com and we also have facebook your hormone balance so all those all those avenues are great also jess uh, body bliss by jess is is her web is jesse's website to learn more about nutrition and hormone balancing drinks and smoothies and grains and everything she's got so much great stuff on there so there's lots of fun information and it's it's really kind of empowering um, so I encourage people to yeah hop on those two websites and learn what you can learn and then follow through with testing if you can do it. If that's the only way to really know, I always say test, don't guess. That's the way to know what's really going on. And then you can take steps using those test results as your guide to turn things around. So I thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk more about this because I think it's just absolutely essential for, for women's health going forward for our present health and for our future health and longevity. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for being on the show. There's so much great information, but before I let you go, I have to ask you one more question and it's a question we ask everyone that appears on the show. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So Candace, what was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview? Ah, 
Well, last song. I listen to so many songs. <laughs> Um, I think the one that comes to mind is the one that's still in my head three weeks later. I remember because I, I went to a concert with Joan Baez, who was one of the, I mean, for the younger generation, I don't know if you guys know about her, but she was one of the, the um, pivotal folk singers in back in the 60s, sure. and Bob Dylan, pals, and she has a most gorgeous song called Diamonds and Rust. So I would. I would speak to that one. Oh. I would, I would, I'd tell you that one is, is one to listen to. It'll sweep you away. That's a wonderful answer. I love that. And, and the words are beautiful and it's, it's just fantastic. So I recommend that one as an experience. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was incredibly educational. I know Jen and I really appreciate it. Okay. Well, I appreciate you having me. As I said before, it's really an important message to get out there and, I love podcasts as edutainment. You know, it's fun. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's a great way to, to spread the word. And so pass it on, ladies. Thanks so much. Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitfoundgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.